Thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast brought to you by Mountaintop Data. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy. Our co-host, Carla Jo Helms, has the day off today. And uh, we'll be talking today with Amanda Puppo of Market Reach uh, about SDRs and the art of the introductory call. Uh, Amanda founded Market Reach at 26 and has been helping companies get appointments ever since, basically. 26, Amanda. We're really happy to have you on the show. You have been um, doing this since a very young age and uh, really excited to talk about uh, introductory calls with, uh, with SDRs, cold calls, if you will. Thanks, Guy. It's great to be here. Can you tell us a little more about yourself? I mean, it isn't like you've got a lot to cover. It seems like you started Market Reach very early in your career. But what got you to that point? How did you decide, hey, I, w- I want to start a lead gen company? Yeah, well, it, it actually happened by dumb, naive luck, um, if you want to call it that. But at uh, 25 years old, I found myself fired from my, my first real job. And um, it was because, uh, oddly enough, I, was, I wasn't any good at the sale. So that was really <laughs> a question. Um, it's, it's funny, you look back on things and, you know, you say, they say things are meant to happen for a reason. But I was just not very good at selling payroll. I didn't like payroll. I didn't like uh, the numbers. And I realized later that if you're going to sell payroll, you need to develop trust with your prospect. And what I realized at that time is that if you don't know anything about your product and you're going to try to sell it, you're probably not going to do a very good job at it if you are not able to communicate the value and the features the proper way. Right. So what I'm hearing is... You've been fired from 100% of your jobs. Yes. Uh, yes, that's true because I've only had, uh, I guess, a couple as a, as a real adult. Yes. Maybe a paper route or a lemonade stand or right. something that you didn't get fired from. But 100% exactly. of your adult jobs fired from, wow, that's, we're not starting off very good here, Amanda. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. But um, uh, it's, it's like saying uh, dropped out of, or didn't finish high school. I mean, his right. name's Bill Gates, but didn't finish high school. Exactly. I, I think I got that one wrong. But uh, but the fun thing for me is that though I was not uh, very good at the sales side of it, I was actually very good at cold calling. And that was the impetus for the, for the business. So I looked back on my, uh, my strengths at 25 years old and I said, okay, Amanda, what are you going to do it yourself now? And I had an English degree from, from college, which uh, wasn't going to take me very far in business. I had decided not to go to law school and that English degree became pretty useless or, or and wasn't going to be a teacher. Started out useless, so. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> if I was going to do teaching or law, it would have been perfect, but yeah. uh, that's not the path that, that I chose or that was chosen for me. So here I am, um, fired from this job and not good at sales, but I was good at, at that one thing. And so it really began because I said, after an inventory of my strengths, that that was really it. And so I, I went on the path of, or a journey of, of, can I do this entrepreneurial thing? And uh, that's what that's how it began. So this seems like it was pre um, Aaron Ross at uh, I believe it was Salesforce and kind of the invention of the modern day SDR. Uh, obviously, back then people were still opening it. It just I don't think it was so codified as it is as it is now. But you recognized, hey, I'm good at talking to people initially. I just don't know what to. You just didn't have the experience of what to do next with a product and whatnot for the clothes. Right. And, you know, and you learn, too, that, um, you know, they, they say that uh, good salesmen can sell ice to an Eskimo. I'm not really quite sure I believe that phrase. Um, I think. Yeah. That's not a good salesman. That's a good con man. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And so he said, I hate those kind of those kind of terms. Our whole podcast is built off the if you build it, they will come BS. No, you have to market the shit at it if you want people to come. You can't just build something and then wonder, oh, it's such a great product. Nobody knows about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Selling snow to Eskimos, that's the boiler room BS movie version of what salespeople are. doesn't work in the real world. I mean, you could sell a lot of used cars to grandmas maybe that way. You, could, you, know, you can con people out of money if you're really slick like that. But a real salesperson finds out what somebody needs and, and provides them with that and helps people. Um, yeah, that's selling snow to Eskimos thing. I remember early in my career hearing that from a lot of people. It's just like, eventually it clicked with me. Like, that's, that's not right. Something's wrong there. That's not what this is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you're great at the opening, you realize. So you, what, you just say, let me start a company doing this? Did you have some people that you knew that could, 
that could help? Did you start doing it for your old company? What was your first client? So my, my first, so it was actually a great story. And as I look back, it was the best business day of my entire career. And that was 18 years ago. All downhill from there. I simply went <laughs> to the local chamber of commerce. You know, I, I looked like I was 20 years old. Nobody really took it seriously at the time. I don't blame them. But, uh, you know, I walked into the chamber of commerce room and I, I gave my 30 second pitch. And a business was born that day because eight people came up to me at the end of that meeting and they handed me a business card. They said, we have to talk. A week later, I got my first client, which was a, a coffee company, a company that sells coffee services. And, um, and a business was born and I, I was, uh, you know, I didn't get good at sales in a week either. It took me a long time even to get good at sales, you know, so Deal. So that pitch was basically your cold call. I mean, it was in person, but it was like a cold call to this group of people. Do you remember roughly what the, what the pitch was? It was probably something like, hi, my name's Amanda. I just started a company called Market Reach. We will do the cold calling that you don't have the time, skill, or interest in doing. I think that- <laughs> The interest part, I think like, you know that thing you hate doing more than anything? Right. You know, like- she might be talking about cold calling. That would be funny. You're like, yeah, I am talking about that. I can do it for you. And I'm really good yeah. at it. Yeah. That's great. That's yeah. That makes sense. There was actually nobody there doing that also, which was helpful. I mean, uh, I, there are plenty of companies in the, in the Midwest that do this kind of work, especially there are a few companies in the Northeast as well. But, um, but my greatest competition is actually in the, in the Midwest, but most of my clients are looking to get a certain level of employee or a level of articulation in the way. Right. That- the bulk call center on an auto dialer isn't what people are looking for in an SDR. They're looking to kind of outsource and something that's more like an inside person, much more personal than the, the bulk call center experience. They want someone that sounds like them. They want, they want yeah. somebody that, that, uh, that can speak well, that is sharp, that can think on their feet, that asks questions, that presents the proper value prop. And that's, that's really it. You know, you, you want my person to sit next to you, Mr. Mr. and Ms. Business Owner, and, and sound like you, as if you were making the calls yourself. That's what gives you that, that comfort and that feeling of, okay, I can trust this person with my reputation. Yeah. So the customer should have a good experience on that first call versus pretty much every call center experience where if you're really looking for that thing, you're like, yes, you can send me information and then you become a lead. But most of the time when you get that person that can't pronounce your name properly, says they're in Texas, but they're obviously not, um, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. It's it's kind of a turnoff um, for for initial experience. So um, question, when you're doing that kind of SDR lead generation, do you use a dialer of any type? We don't. And we did that purposely because, and I've researched this about every year or two, I researched this concept and we, we offer small batch, high level premium appointment setting. So mostly uh, dialers require thousands and thousands of records to be used at a time in order for it to make sense. Otherwise there's something called a drop rate. Uh, you know, it kind of just gets filtered through a queue system. And when there's drops, that's not looked upon very highly uh, by the, the phone companies and, and regulations. Um, but from a B2B perspective, it didn't make a lot of sense to have pause and there's no answering machines that you're trying to get through. So there were a number of reasons that worked against using a dialer. And so we, we don't use that. I would say that's great. The pause to me is always an indicator. I start laughing kind of, and then I'll, if I don't just hang up that, that two, three second pause, you answer the phone. Hello. Hello. And then you hear click, 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 click. And the person's getting transferred over and you're like, Oh, I'm finally getting connected with somebody I don't want to talk to. Great. Right. <laughs> it's, it's a great heads up to either hang up or do something like when they, sometimes I'll say nothing and just wait to see if they say something. They yeah. usually don't. They'll just hang up like, that's weird. There's nobody there. Or I'll, I'll say like, Domino's Pizza, how can I help you? <laughs> or I'll start parching, oh. <laughs> pitching them as if I called them. Yeah. If you have a minute and you want to, you know, stretch your legs and have some fun, you can do those kind of things when you get that pause call where you know it's a call center. You just start, mm-hmm. yeah, thanks for answering the phone. <laughs> I was calling today to see what you're doing for life insurance. Right. <laughs> and they're like, what? They get all confused and start their pitch because they don't know what else to say and they got a script in front of them. It's, uh, right. It can be fun. 
So I would imagine if you called, you would not be thrown off by that at all because you're a real human being dialing another real human being and you, you know a little bit about what you're doing. Right. The real key is to sound the least like a call center. The, the less likely you're calling hundreds and thousands of people, the more likely you'll humanize it. And that really is a key point. So that's interesting. I'm wondering if people, because I get calls from robots sometimes, not just a recorded message. Oh, the bane of, of my existence. The robots are killing me. They're not killing you. They're making you look good because they suck. Well, <laughs> well, they do suck. But the problem is, is that they're starting to, to invade even businesses. They used to call yeah. the consumers. And it is making it actually, if you want to talk about a, a difficulty that, that we would have, it, uh, or any sales prospecting to be performed, that there are so many robots calling and the receptionist picks up that that it is uh, diluting the efforts of outbound calling on some level. So I'm hoping that there's some regulation against that robot situation. Interesting. Yeah. I think also it could have an effect of stigmatizing cold calling kind of, of uh, you know, what, what spam did for email. Make people mm -hmm. think, oh, receiving a cold email is the worst thing in the world versus, oh, this is a relevant email to what I do. I should have a look at it. Um, so you have the spam calling going on. And the more malicious one is the AI powered or kind of weak machine learning powered, not even machine learning, just scripted um, robot calls where it actually has multiple directions they can go. They're programming in different directions based on what you say. And you yeah. can start to have a conversation with them before you realize, oh, this isn't the sheriff's department asking if I'd like to make a donation. This, this isn't a human being. This is right. something that if I say a key word, it's going to give a response relevant to that. Mm -hmm. I'll have it laugh at me and say, ha, ha, ha. No, I'm not a robot. And it's like, wow, that is the most robot thing to say ever. Right. <laughs> In your robot pre-recorded voice. And then if you say it again, are you a robot? It'll say again, ha, ha, ha. No, same exact thing. I'm not uh -huh. a robot. And then go back into its pitch. Now, would you like to make a donation? You're like, oh my gosh. Um, uh -huh. So I don't know. I guess the stigma it brings could be bad to the, to the cold calling business, but it's showing an alternative, which is not good for companies to what you do. So on, on the other hand, it's saying, hey, look what we do over here. This is good versus this other thing that you know. Mm -hmm. so, eh, roll with it, carve out the niche as, as not the robots, I'd say. Um, I was at an event just this last week and it was a B2B marketing expo. It felt like half the companies there were lead gen companies um, doing kind of the bespoke lead gen type of lead gen you do where they're doing this SDR type cold calling. It seems pretty hot right now in B2B getting personal and having people with that expertise with that initial outbound um, outbound call for lead generation uh, seems to be very much in high demand. At least companies are thinking so because they might be 15 years behind you, but uh, a lot of people are, are trying to get into this game now. Mm -hmm. So recapping here, the, the topic, SDRs, the art of the introductory call, um, I'd like to get into some specifics for people. I think we've covered uh, generally here the, the topic some as far as what it is and, and had some fun uh, back and forth uh, to position this. But can you jump into kind of your technique when you do these calls, maybe some things for people doing them themselves, what to do, what not to do, that kind of stuff? Sure, sure. I think I'd, I'd begin by saying that times have changed in more ways than one. So the the old days of, hi, my name is Amanda. Uh, I do X, Y, Z. I'd like to get 10 minutes on your calendar. How does next week look? Those days are are over. So, you know, when there's no value provided, when there's no questions asked, um, you know, today's salesperson really needs to take a consultative approach. And that concept of let me ask questions, find needs and pain points, and then present a solution. That's what today is about. Um, you know, there are, there's quite a number of transactional selling. You can do a lot of your research online now. You can buy online. But when it comes to presenting a solution that the prospect doesn't even know they need. Mm, doesn't know they need. That's a tough one. And fighting against apathy, right? So our biggest challenge oftentimes in sales is not getting in the door because we can't reach people. I mean, that, that's not easy either. And we can talk about that. It, it's actually, when you reach people, how do you bring out a reason to meet? 
because most people will do nothing because most people find it easier to do nothing rather than to change something right right be the, to be the guy that changed something and then it didn't go well so unless it, that whole that whole adage of if it ain't broke don't fix it sometimes that's reason enough as to why people don't go out and look for something new that's why when they say oh we've been out with our same vendor for 10 years well then that's all the more reason you want to take a look at something new right let's right. not Let's not accept what is just because it seems to be working. So that's market reach's concept, which is we are going actively after your target market. We're going to present options to that target market. And then our goal is to say, listen, spend 20 minutes. If you, if you compare apples to apples and you still love what you got, great. In 20 minutes, you figured out that you still have the best that there is out there. Alternatively, meet with us for 20 minutes. And if you find something that is better, faster, cheaper, whatever the case may be, now, now we can pursue it. And so right. that's the, the way that market reach pursues its business development for our clients. Now, so you kind of come to them with a, if you don't look at this, you're not doing your job kind of a message. Like you, your really job is to look at vendors for these things and constantly be evaluating what's best for the company. Don't be lazy. We'll do all the yeah. work for you. All you have to do is sit there and listen. Yeah, and in a subtle way, number one, and number two, I don't even, I wouldn't even say constantly, right? It's not, if somebody says to us, so our, our rule of thumb is um, the second strike, we're done. And what I mean by that, if one not interested or one send me something or call me back or, you know, there's maybe 10 objections that you're going to hear. Mm -hmm. Second one, we lay off. We're not going hard because that's how you lose friends and don't right. lose people as Dale Carnegie said the opposite is. So our goal is to try to win friends and influence people, which means that we want to um, persuasively and tactfully push for the sale. But if we're not getting, and by sale, I mean appointment. And if we're not moving it in that direction, we step back and try to get a call back. Right. Three, two strikes and you're out is, is the philosophy over there. And our call team is out. Right. So not even that the prospect is out. Like we don't want to, we don't want to overstay our welcome. So it's, right. it's. And waste your time on people who actually aren't interested. You got it. <laughs> Ask a few good questions, you know, and present value proposition. And if it's not winning you an appointment, all right, next. I got a question. I had a speaking session at this, at this recent event, and it was on the future of uh, data in B2B marketing. And I got a question af after on, hey, how do we convert people who opt out? Like once somebody opts out to an email campaign, how do we convert them? And it was, it was fun for me, kind of. I was like, you don't. They've asked it not, why are you wasting time on them? When somebody, like, why do you continue to pursue the person who says, I'm not interested? If they're legitimately not interested, and this is what I used to train our, our in-house team here, I told them is, the first time somebody says no, it's typically a knee-jerk reaction. They're on the phone. They pick it up. They have a no chambered. Make them say no twice. But once they say no twice, like you say, second strike and you're out. Um, I, I never uh, got that clever with it. But once they say no twice, make sure it's a real no, not just blowing you off. Then it's a real yes. no. But that's mm -hmm. what you have to find out. Is there a real opportunity or not? Not what's the first excuse for me to hang up and move to the next call, but is there a real opportunity? Yeah, Exactly. And, and I think that, that, um, that, that also applies quite a bit with the send me something. So send me mm. something is a very popular objection that any prospect could give you 10 times a day. So on the first send me something, depending on if they said send me something in like the first 10 seconds, that's a blow off. Right. Hey, send me something and you're halfway through your pitch. Hey, they might actually be interested, but try to overcome it as an objection. If you can't overcome it, ask a few questions and then send them something with a promise to call back. And are they going to be accountable to that callback? Yeah, we had three directions, our simple script was there's three directions the call can go. I'm not interested. I'm really not interested. Um, yes, here's who we target. Send me a sample. So as a data company, we'd want to find out, oh, who do you market to? We'd like to send you a sample of our data. Um, if that's the product that we were, that we were calling on. Uh, if there was some other product, it would, it would go in that direction. But that was kind of the typical uh, entry. And that was the goal of the call, was to find out who they market to, that they have a legitimate interest in data. They use data in their marketing. They, they purchase lists and get their criteria so we can send them a sample. And the third 
option was information. Sure, just send me general information. But that one always was okay. You want information, tell me who you market to so we can send you more relevant information. If they're not willing to give you something to make it more relevant, they're not really interested. You nailed it, Sky. Yeah. That is exactly it. And it kills me sometimes because I have heard my people and I have to go over there and, you know, slap them in the head a couple of times. But every now and again, I'll, I'll hear one of my reps um, allow the prospect to just say, send yeah. me something. Okay, what's your email? Not good enough. Yeah, unless your job is to collect emails, which is right. not. <laughs> right, get a real value, get a real level of interest, get get a couple questions answered so that you can follow up with something relevant and timely and useful to show now it's a warm call instead of a cold call. That that's. Yeah, we would have SDRs that thought if they sent out 20 FAQs in a day, that was a successful day for them. Mm-hmm. We're like, congratulations, you're letting every single caller blow you off and you're not finding out if we can actually help them. So they're staying in the call queue. You're going to waste time calling them again. And it's become an annoyance. You didn't actually dig in. Every call is at that point is probably going to reduce the likelihood that they'll, because that now they've already put this opt out in their mind for you. Like they've already registered. I'm not interested because you had that first call. They let you send an FAQ that never got to them. They probably gave you an email. They don't even check. And now you're in their mental checkout list of, ah, I'm not interested in these people. I don't even know what they do. I don't remember what they do, but not interested. Right. Um, yeah. So you have to find out that it's a real no. And then if they want information, you need to find out what information. Get something relevant from them to make sure it's a real information request and not a blow mm-hmm. off. You got it. Another, uh, another little tip, because uh, you're talking about techniques uh, regarding introductory calling. I think that one of the big errors that companies make uh, still to this day. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, one man, co- I'm talking about decent sized companies, small businesses that don't have a prospect list. And they've been in business for 10, 12, 14 years and no prospect list at all. Now so, you're talking my language. Yeah. I mean, the first piece of advice and, and I, this, you know, whether I knew you or not, Sky, I know what you do. I do know what you do, but you know, regardless of that, I mean, you can't build a marketing program with like, you know, confetti. Like we, we mm. need actual prospects, whether it's for phone calls, email, LinkedIn, right? Newsletters, direct mail, any kind of marketing that you're going to do outbound to, an, to actively go after a specific group of prospects. You, you just need to start somewhere. So that would be um, my first piece of advice to any any company, and then of course to develop that list because right. lists are all you know um, lists require developing, and you need to confirm decision maker names, titles, um, extensions, emails, interests, right? Current situation like there's just there's a lot of data to uncover, and data is king, and data is only getting more important as we move along here. It is the start line to any marketing campaign is. Who are you going to target? Unless you're in a native atmosphere like LinkedIn or Google AdWords or something like that, where you're or Facebook, where you're targeting the audience within, and the, then the data is kind of theirs and you don't get it. But you have to have a list. You have to have that target list, and it needs to be targeted uh, to to start with. Yeah, and I'd say if you're doing uh, SDR phone calls, if you're doing cold calls, make sure the phone numbers are good. Obviously, make sure the targeting is good. If you sell your product to HR managers, make sure you actually have a list of HR managers and not any contact at a company. I don't know how many calls I get or a company gets, and sometimes they get through to me somehow, where they're saying, hey, we're looking for the person in charge of. It's just Mm -hmm. like, you know how easy it is to get lists? We're a list company. Come on. We know how easy it is to get lists. List is cheap. And yet, they just, all they have is a phone number. And I've also seen companies that they don't give their account managers anything. They just say, why would we buy a list? Just go Google stuff. Look, mm-hmm. look it up online. And you're like, come on again. It's inexpensive. Get the data. I think those people kind of burn out their SDRs because they're not giving them the tools they need to do the job. And eventually they're just like, it's going to go somewhere else. Where they, like you with your first job, you got fired, right? That's not your fault. They didn't train you well, obviously, because they didn't recognize that, hey, she's really good at opening the door. We should have her focus on that. Oh, man. Where were you 18 years ago, Scott? Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, this woman is smart. She's driven, but we're not, we're not training her properly or we're not using her properly. 
You know, people always say when you let somebody go as a company, it's not their fault. Either you didn't train them properly, you didn't give them the tools they need, or you hired the wrong person maybe, but it's still your fault for, for mm -hmm. even hiring that person. Now, when they go on to start their own successful SDR company generating leads, imagine if they had kept you there, all the business you could have created for them in-house. That's right. They didn't identify the opportunity. They're lost. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, anything else with just kind of general tips for cold calling? Do this, don't do that uh, on, the, on the opening of the call? I would say um, qualification is key on that first or second dial. So we talked briefly about how, you know, you've got to work a list. So you can't necessarily expect to go from, hi, my name is, to an actual appointment on the first dial. It takes work now. And so, you know, you can, you can get the list, but you still have to put the work into it. Um, you've got to confirm mm -hmm. data. You've got to validate the data. You've got to, you know, and some companies have other criteria that's different for, for another company. So, for example, my clients that do vending services, their main criteria for qualified is, st is on-site staff size. Right. So not just find out, yeah, this person is willing to have another call or set up an appointment, but then also a couple questions about them to make sure that yeah. they're- To make they, sure that you can do business with them. It's one right. thing that they want what you've got, but do you have what they need and can you sell them what they need at the price that makes sense? So for example, it, when you spend money on marketing, you got to be able to justify that cost when you look out in the sales forecast, right? So for right. let's say somebody spends- $20,000 with market reach over a period of time. I want to know that I'm going to get them in the door with the kinds of companies that is going to justify my cost. Right. Right. So if you're that are tiny, that are going to just, you know, give them $500 yep. and say for a whole year, that's got to be a decent justification. That's where sales comes back and says the leads are shit. And right. then marketing says the leads aren't shit. You're shit. And then you have yeah. the whole uh, Glengarry Glenn Ross argument. Um. Yeah, and that's why qualification, that's why so much of this comes down to qualification. I don't want to spend 15 phone calls or emails or whatever it is getting you in the door with somebody that's not going to either be a, the right prospect or is going to be too small revenue opportunity to have justified the marketing spend. Right, so a little example here. If, if I was selling snow and uh, I had an SDR give me a lead with an Eskimo, I'd come back and say, did you ask this person where they live? They're buried under 10 <laughs> feet of snow. You really want me to try to sell this? This is BS. I don't need this guy. I need the sheik who's living in the sand dunes. He's going to buy a lot of snow. This exactly. guy is a waste of my time. Right. Really gotta, you've got to segment your market. You've got to, you know, do you have a, either, let's say you use Excel for your CRM, or let's say you have a CRM. Do you have a column or a field called call priority? Do you have a field that says to you, I've got my A's, my B's, and my C's? So right. that comes to passive marketing, like email marketing, for example, where you know it doesn't require money and, and human talent. It more, it's just a uh, pretty inexpensive way to, to market passively to customers that don't necessarily carry a large revenue opportunity. But the A's, the A priority, that's what gets massage and worked and human intervention. So treat your... Um your cold calling prospects like uh, account-based marketing tiering kind of, you should have a couple tiers of priority to start with the higher priority contacts. Exactly. Or at least to put more time and money into those higher priority. Maybe they're not the first you start with, but you, you segment them so that you know who are my best prospects, who are the prospects I'd like to get in the door with, but if I don't today, that's okay. And who are the prospects that I shouldn't dedicate any uh, real time and money to, but instead I maybe put them on an automated rotation in marketing. Right, right. You want to put them into your general email marketing pool or something like that. They, they don't justify a, the time and energy of a cold call. Um, I have one question for you. We're going to take a quick break. Think about this over the break. Um, how much time do you invest in each prospect before you call? An auto dialer, obviously they spend zero time. They don't even know your name until they pick up the, you, you pick up the line. How much how much time and energy do you spend getting to know who they are and who their company is before the call? So think about that for a minute. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to the If You Market podcast. We have Amanda Puppo. Am I getting that last name right? Yes. Amanda, you helped me out with that ahead of time. Thank you. Um, Amanda Puppo, she is the CEO of Market Reach, and we're talking about the art of the introductory call. Never go with your gut. That seems like a weird title for a book, right? Well, uh, unfortunately, our gut reactions often lead us in exactly the wrong direction. 
despite all the advice you might have gotten to go with your gut, they cause us to have terrible problems. I mean, when was the last time you saw a project go over time, over budget? When was the last time you saw someone being way overconfident about their decisions? It's actually really easy to address these problems if you apply the right techniques and develop the right mental habits. It doesn't take you any more time to make the decisions and you'll address so many errors, so many problems. You'll save yourself so much stress and hassle. So check out the book, Never Go With Your Gut, How Pioneering Leaders Make the Best Decisions and Avoid Business Disasters at disasteravoidanceexperts.com slash nevergut. Again, disasteravoidanceexperts.com slash nevergut. Welcome back to the If You Market Podcast. We are speaking with Amanda Puppo of Market Reach. She is the CEO over there generating leads and uh, what managing SDRs, cold calls, introductory calls, all that kind of good stuff. Before the break, Amanda, we had a question for you. How much time do you have your people spend? Do you spend before each call prepping to know who they are, to have some, some relevance there? Mm. If you asked me that question 15 years ago, I would have said, just dial, dial until you die. No, smile. Because a manager had beat that into you and then fired you probably. <laughs> right, right. Something like that, right? So today though, it is different. Um, as we discussed before, um, you know, we, how do we turn a cold call into a warm call, right? That's really what we're asking ourselves now. And it's not to say that every situation requires, you know, 15 minutes of research because the more research you do, the less contact you'll make with humans. And we really want to make contact with humans. It's not about the, the highest number of dials. I have hired people here and fired them rather quickly because they made an astronomical number of calls. A dialing machine, right. With no substance. Yep. No substance to the calls, no rapport building, no questions asked, no qualification, right? So I think that when you, when you talk about research done, it's twofold. It's what questions can you ask the receptionist, right? Because internet research can take a little while longer. What questions can you ask a receptionist? And then secondarily, how can you use the internet, namely two resources such as LinkedIn, that would be the first uh, source, as well as a company's own leadership page. And really what you're looking for is you're looking to make sure you know what they do, who's the player, who's the decision maker. And, um, and then once you have that, it really requires human intervention to determine if they're really still a prospect. Before, earlier in the podcast, I talked to you about staff size being a qualification point, but not just staff size, on-site staff size. There's very few uh, resources that will tell you an exact staff size online and be accurate. You really right. got to find out. So, so therefore, you've got, it's really a combination of using internet research and uh, phone to reach humans to ask good questions. And I, I always say, if you want a number, I say three minutes or less on the internet. If you can't find out in a few minutes, call them up and, and ask your questions. If you still can't find information about your prospect, through internet research, I'm sorry, through the phone, then spend a little more time on inter internet research because it might give you a little bit more information. Right. You're having trouble from a person. I think new, new people in the job listening will tend to think, oh, I need to do some research and that's where I'm going to find my way in. That's where I'm going to find out something that gets me the lead with this person. And I would warn them that the research really is to find out if they should be disqualified or which direction to go with the solution that you're offering. So if you look at the company and you say, oh, wow, the list I have says this person's in, you know, uh, in XYZ industry that we do target, but they're actually a direct competitor. So I should not call them research success, right? Mm -hmm. um, or you see, oh, here's the company size. So company of this size, this is the wrong title. You know, it's a small company. I should be speaking to a top level person, not a marketing manager or, or you know, depending on your product um, or, oh, it's a large company. This title's too high up at a company like that. I, my entry level title is not going to be the CMO. It's going to be a marketing manager, a marketing intern or, or something like that. So you'd find out those kind of qualifiers or disqualifiers with your research and then you'd find out maybe what direction to go. Oh, it's a large company, so here's the benefit that I'm, or here's the pain point they might have, so I should come with this angle. 
people think they're going to get some Vin Diesel boiler room esque like little magic. Aha. I see this on their profile. So if I say this, they're a lead kind of a thing. Um, there isn't really any tricks. There's disqualified people. Um, if they don't fit and then find out what might be ahead of time, what might be of value to them. Yes. And I will add one more thing to that sky, which is that on occasion you can find an article written with them being quoted or written about them, which right. often, in right people love to talk about themselves but if you show legitimate research where you're not just asking a qualifying question but you just went a little deeper found an article about them and then mentioned something about hey i saw that article that you were in in february of vending times that is a very powerful way to at least get their attention and keep them on the phone right and it says i'm not a that's that is a brilliant also use of, of research. I'd totally forgotten about that. Mm. I always uh, called it holding up today's newspaper. You're basically proving, look, I'm a live person here today. I'm not a random cold call. I took the time to find out something about you and not what your favorite sports team was. So I could say it was also my favorite sports team. But, oh, I saw the post you wrote on XYZ and really liked it. Blah, blah, and you make a comment on it. And now all of a sudden you're in a conversation versus uh, you know, a surprise attack on the phone. Right. Cold calling. You mentioned something at the beginning of this um, with cold calling. And I realized a lot of people will say, and sometimes just for attention, but is cold calling dead? Cold calling's dead. We say, well, no, you mean cold calling as in calling without any information. And I guess I'd say it kind of, what we're doing now is still cold calling and that the person doesn't know who you are. Um, right. They don't know who you are. They don't know your company. Maybe you have a brand and they recognize it. But what people did in the past and what some auto dialers do now is really blind calling. It's, you don't know anything. It's, it's blind. It's, everybody's cold. They're always cold unless you're following up on something. Then it's not, of course, it's not a cold call. They downloaded right. a white paper or signed up for something or whatever it is. So I would say the problem isn't that we call it cold calling now. Cold calling is not dead. Cold calling is what we do now. We used to do blind calling. Mm. Um, where you just don't know anything about them. You don't know that they, they wrote that article, that they were a guest on a podcast, and you listen to it and comment on it. Now, maybe don't listen to an hour-long B2B marketing podcast just to call Amanda and say, I listened to that whole thing. <laughs> comment on something said at the end. Listen to it because we do a great podcast. But uh, yes, put, look at some content they put out, really easy to find nowadays, and, and have something relevant to say to comment on on that. Yeah, but I think it's also still important to note this, which is let's not suffer from analysis paralysis, right? So we, we are, when I say a balance of speed and dialing, I, I really mean that, right? I, I mean that we, we want to make our first pass with research and qualification, maybe, maybe even a second pass if required, right? Because you can't always get the information you need on the first call or the first pass of internet research. But if we get mired down and all the details and now we're making six dials an hour and it's been the 15th hour here and the same list of 60, like we've got a problem. Yep. Right? Cause it's all about the at bats. It's all about the contacts with decision makers. It's not about the internet research or the dials or the conversations you have with receptionists. When it comes down to it's how many decision makers can you talk to on a daily basis? That's really what it, what it comes down to. When you get contacts with DMS, that's going to lead to appointments. That's going to lead to sales. Everything up to that point is just the busy work to get to the main goal, which yeah. is the and then the sale. I'm remembering I used to have uh, my, my SDRs, lead generators, record not the number of calls. That was something you could easily look up. But I would have them record down the quality conversations. How many quality conversations did you have today? And, if it, you know, and then when you hold them accountable, okay, what – what was the, what were these conversations? Are there notes in the CRM? That's a receptionist. That's not a quality conversation. Or sometimes that's a receptionist that is because they're actually the person overseeing this. Another tip, uh, one that I would throw out there, when the receptionist asks you, what do you do and what's the call about? Pitch them. Because mm. sometimes they'll say, oh no, you don't want to talk to Frank. You want to talk to Stacy over here. She's the one overseeing that. And yeah, we're, we're actually looking into, and you'll suddenly get all this beautiful information and be like, oh, I'm in. I'm getting a referral practically from the receptionist versus trying to trick the receptionist, treating them as a gatekeeper because you're not gonna, you're not gonna be like, Oh, it's just about right. something with, they're like, they know already that you're a sales call. It's a, yeah. it's almost like it's a trick question. Are you a BS sales call? Pitch them. They might be 
your initial foot in the door. They might direct you in the right direction. They might, instead of constantly transferring you to somebody who's on vacation, they might tell you that he's out or, you know what? He hasn't worked here for five years. I was just going to keep mm -hmm. transferring you to get rid of you. But since you're acting like a human being and not trying uh, to trick me. There's our word again. We're, we're humanizing the experience between our, us as a salesperson and the receptionist as what we considered the gatekeeper, but we're humanizing that person enough to where you, you treat them like an equal. You treat them like, hey, I know that this is the 90th call you've gotten, receptionist, because that's what you're doing there. You're taking calls and transferring them, and you're also a screener. Your job is to block me out if I'm not good enough to get through, through or over you or, or, or ideally through you in a positive way. And um, the only thing we got to be careful about, though, Sky, is we've got to be careful that the receptionist doesn't take the initiative to act like a decision maker, even though they're not. Yeah. They're interested. Thanks for calling. Right. So that's the only thing that we've got to be careful of. But I agree when I'd, I'd rather err on the side of giving them information so that they can help us be an ally versus um, see through our, our shadiness or our evasiveness about what we're offering and then screen us out anyway. Yeah, I would say the receptionist wasn't gonna put you through anyway. Mm. <laughs> like if you, if you tell the receptionist here, here's what we do, here's why I'm calling, and they say, yeah, we're not interested, either they're actually not interested or the greater chance, yes, their job is to screen you out, especially if you're calling a large company. If you're calling a small company, they, they probably actually know what's going on, mm -hmm. but either you had a bad pitch or you know, that's just their job and they're going hardcore on you, but the receptionist wasn't going to say like, oh, what's that? You're not a sales call? Oh, you're calling about something you're using, trying to use some big words to make sure I don't understand and just transfer you? Okay, I'll put you right through to the CEO. Like, no, they're, th right. they're throwing you out. You're not getting through anyway. So you might as well be human with them. Mm -hmm. um, we've done a drill with people where we, we have them, like don't get through the receptionist, talk to the receptionist. We need you to talk to them, find something out from the receptionist, have a conversation, talk to them about like, mm -hmm. Hey, I know you get a ton of these calls every day and but like talk to them like a human being. Another trick we would do something I remember back in my cold calling days, getting through receptionists. Sometimes when we had one, we say, Hey, we kind of need to get through to this person and their gatekeeper is, is really a ball buster. Um, is calling in and being aggressive. And what I mean by that is most people don't like confrontation. And if they feel like you're going to be confrontation, sometimes they will just take the easy route. Mm. So on these particular accounts where we needed to get through, I, I started my career at a lead gen company doing cold calling. Um, <clears throat> my, my technique that I found to be highly effective sometimes would be to call up and say, give me John Smith. <laughs> Be very loud, abrupt, and tell them nothing. Because they feel like if they come back and say, what's the call about? Your answer is going to be, never mind, just put me through to John. Or sometimes just using the first name is also really good. So loud, short, and like Did you work on Wall Street, Sky? Because that's like, that sounds like a Wall Street technique. I don't know. Frequently, the, the gatekeeper would, you could see them thinking in their mind, I do not want to remain on the line with this person. They're steamrolling me and I'm just going to take the easiest route and put them through. Sure. Um, we, and, in my line of work, we call that being assertive. I don't know yeah. about, you know, yelling at them, do this or you die type of approach, but I'm entertained by it. I would never make the full threat. It's just implied. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> also, just using the first name when you yes. say, hello, this is Sky Cassidy at Mountaintop Data. Can I speak with John Smith, please? Mm. Okay. You're a generic cold call. Hey, can I speak to John? Or mm -hmm. John, please. Yep. Sounds like you're a buddy from high school or something like that. What are you calling about? It's the five-year uh, anniversary. <laughs> 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 so also I'd say don't lie because, yes, you may get put through, but it's like saying, yeah, give me John. I found his dog. When you get uh -huh. put through, the person's going to be kind of upset that you lied to right. get through. And guess what you're not getting? Any sale or any lead or any anything at, right. at that point. Um, so where do you come down on the, is this a sales call question? Hmm. Yeah. So when we get, is this a sales call? We, we typically err on the side of being transparent. Um, because like you just said earlier, if you, if you present as if you're something you're not, then they're going to sniff that out. Um, whether it's the receptionist that sniffs it out or the decision maker, you know, him or herself, 
um, you know, if you, if you come through as if uh, it, it's something that it isn't, you can, you can kind of backfire anyway. So we don't get that a whole lot, um, but typically what we say is we're actually not trying to sell anything on this phone call, which is always true. We're never trying to sell anything on that phone call. We're simply looking to give him a couple of options um, because we have something new on the market to offer. So that's, that's typically a way to, um, and then we usually ask a question. So whenever you want to deflect an objection, end the objection with a, with a question. So if I said that, I might end with a question such as, um, is he there today or is he um, at a sales meeting now? Or um, is he in right now or am I better off calling tomorrow? So it's just a way to deflect a question. Kind of like if somebody says, if let's say the decision maker says, can you, um, can you confirm and call me the day before? I hate that question. What am I, what am I, your babysitter? Write that down, man. We got calendars. I gotta... <laughs> anyway, that's just my own pet peeve. But the, the, the um, anticipating that, that objection, the rebuttal sounds like this. Listen, I could call you the day before, but I'll tell you what, let me give you our name and number. If something comes up, call us. We're real easy to get to. Do you have a pen handy? Hmm. Believe it or not, I have no longer addressed the, the objection of calling to confirm. My question is, do you have a pen? Hmm. Is it okay if we don't call to confirm? It's, do you have a pen? So there is a level of psychology that is involved with sales and, and handling certain objections. And I think that um, deflecting off of the original objection is a great way to do it. Handling it, but moving right out of it. Right. So you deflect it, but you don't just deflect it. You deflect it and then ask a question. So they have somewhere to go, an easy path to go down. Yeah, You, you answer it, deal with it, but then right. move away from it because you control that conversation. You're using SDR judo there. Yeah. There you go. yeah. <laughs> All right. So let me see. Oh, one more comment on the, that I have on the, how much time to spend in research. I remember finding that because the initial call you're, we're a data company and still I know that percentage of data isn't going to be accurate and you're going to find the person isn't with the company anymore. So we would really limit the amount of research on the initial call so that we didn't spend three minutes and then make a call and find out the person's not there anymore. Um, now you could typically the research would be company focused because the company is always going to be a target. Um, but if, if that way, if the person wasn't there, we didn't spend time looking at their LinkedIn and the things they posted, although hopefully you'd see on their LinkedIn that they're not there anymore. Um, but it's not always up to date. Uh, mm -hmm. So so we always said, uh, you know, initial call, have very limited research. And then once you have, you know, in the CRM, you have a note that, you know, you see that you've made that first call and usually you don't get to the person on the first call anyway. Um, mm -hmm. Then you go back and and do more research the second time, second time around. So we kind of did a, a two tier research to eliminate some potential waste when, when contacts aren't there anymore. Yeah with that same concept. I think that again, before we talked about a limited amount of research, you know, a few minutes or less, call the company, find out information that way. And then the second pass around, if it's required that you have to do a little more research because you can't find a receptionist, you can't find a human to talk to, then you can go about doing that. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I've got a couple more questions I, I want to try to cram in here. One, where do you think the SDR is going? I mean, it, it seems to have been hot for a while now. It's been really successful. Most things in marketing have a bit of a bubble and then burn out. What do you think the future of SDRs and cold call lead gen is? Mm. Well, I think that, um, you know, to, to our point before, I think that the first, um, the first piece here is that we as SDRs or, or companies that are prospecting, um, you know, I can't, I'm not going to comment as much on the business to consumer marketplace because there is a level of um, AI and automation that is occurring in that space in particular, uh, especially with a more transactional type of type of um, sales made. So we so SDRs in the consumer marketplace probably have a little bit more to worry about in terms of where the the jobs will be in that sense. Right. Lower value especially products I, that need a more highly automated uh, sales process and call process. Yeah, I mean, I think that when, when it comes to automating, like with AI, I know you've done a couple of uh, segments with AI, I think that the SDR has to be a little bit concerned with, with um, how AI will become even more intelligent as we move along and kind of act as them, right? Use mm -hmm. this level of intelligence to kind of navigate calls that are easy, right? Easy and transactional. But 
with the more complex sales, with the sales that require engagement, right? I think that's the key point here is sales that require more engagement. The SDR is alive and well, and the SDR is going to need to be there to allay skepticism, to persuade, to offer features and benefits, to allow the customer to connect the dots in an easier way than if they had to do it on their own. Yeah. I think the human element, like yeah. highlight the human element, even if you have a really good AI, most humans would rather work with a human if you're acting human. So don't act like an AI or a robot, act like a human. That's your advantage. Exactly. Yeah. People still crave that, that, that one-on-one -on -one engagement. Um, you know, I, I was, I was talking to my millennial employee here and we, we were talking about um, what, her, what her thoughts were about a thank you card, like an actual live real thank you card. And she said, you know, the girl at Staples, that, that is her contact, was really cool. And she was, she placed an order with her and she said it was far better dealing with that Staples rep who asked about her needs, who inquired, who kind of got down to the root of the matter of what it was that she was really looking for and then helped her and made it happen and made her look good to me. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, she could have ordered through the Staples website, but that wasn't, that wasn't really going to serve her for what she needed. And so that SDR really um, knocked her off her feet. And I said, well, what if that SDR sent you a thank you letter after, afterwards? She said, I would have been just as more impressed. This yeah. You remember that. Yeah. And there are services out there that automate that thank you letter in a sense where you're not taking the envelope and writing it, but you can type the information into the site and uh, and they and the address and here's the message I want to send. So it's still personalized. I would say the only reason a message needs to be written by your own hand and pen is to prove it's personal. People, and that's it. Right. But right. if you type an email and it's personal and it, you can tell it's personal, it's about the conversation you had, or you, you type a message into an online portal that then prints it onto a custom card and mails mm -hmm. that off to your person. And maybe the image you put on is you holding that day's newspaper to prove it. Um, <laughs> As long as they can tell it's personal, I would say that's why I like ink and paper people are like, oh, this is personal. That's what matters. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be handwritten as long as they can tell it's personal based on the content in some other way. Yeah. And I think that the SDR has to really um, focus on, on knowing their product and their service and understanding it, uh, knowing how to engage the customer with proper probing questions, both open-ended and, you know, multiple choice questions that you can ask to really get, the heart, get to the heart of what the pain points or improvements are from a sales perspective. And, and then to be able to properly back that up with the features and benefits that would resonate with that prospect based on the answers they gave you to your questions. And so that's the approach that Market Reach takes with our appointment setting and lead generation is to really um, kind of step it up and to be that level of, of uh, intelligent salesmanship. Um, that, that really defines the high level sale or the, the high ticket sale. Mm, yeah. I mean, you're having a conversation with them, not just assaulting them with a sales pitch kind of you, they still need to understand what you do. You don't just come at them and start asking a bunch of questions. I've had people do that. I'm like, excuse me, can you tell me what you're calling about? <laughs> like, I'm not going to start answering a bunch of questions for you. I don't right. know who you are. I don't know why you're calling. I've had SDRs not even introduce themselves. Like, uh, excuse me, what's your name? Why are you calling me? Yeah, Market Reach actually has 12 sales principles, and one of them is what you just addressed, which is called the needs analysis setup, right? So the needs analysis setup is essentially the, the, the quid pro quo. It's the give and the get. It's the let me tell you who I am and why you should listen for another 20 seconds. This is my best value proposition mm. to you before I start asking you questions. You said quid pro quo. I think the CIA is listening in on this call now. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hot topic at the moment. <laughs> uh, well, I mean a little different, but yeah, you got to yeah. give before you get. In a more of a silence of the lamby good way where we're sharing information. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, maybe not silence of the lambs either. I don't have any good examples. So. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, good, good. Um, let me see. One other thing I want to fit in here, tech stack. For SDRs. Um, I remember when I started, it was, oh, we actually have Excel and I can put this in a spreadsheet instead of physical paper. That's awesome. Where are we at now with the technologies that, that SDR should have access to? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that um, if you're a real tiny company and you just, uh, I mean, you, you should never say I can't afford a CRM because at this point, a CRM is typically under 60 bucks a month for one rep. 
And there are free CRMs as well. There are, so, there are free yeah. CRMs, right. And so there's really no excuse as to why we can't use a CRM, but, but at the very least you can use Excel. Um, so at the very least you should be able to use Excel, um, which does offer you sorting features and the ability to easily put something into a mail merge if you needed to, or import into a, a newsletter platform, that kind of thing. So at the very least you want to use some kind of tool that is utilized on a minute by minute basis. You can't just decide on certain days not to add your data, right? You've got to diligently and doggedly work that data into your spreadsheet or your CRM to ensure that you are um, basically digging for the gold. And once right. you make your list qualified with proper data and confirmed data, I mean, you've really got something now. And, and you can tell where you've dug. I remember with our people, yeah. I remember looking at account managers and SDRs and looking at the CRM and saying, okay, that's great. You have a note here from a week ago. Have you called this person since? Oh yeah, I've been calling them every day. Okay, mm -hmm. why isn't that in the CRM? Like, well, I, I didn't get through to them, so it didn't, like, what do you mean it didn't matter? How many calls are you going to make? You have no idea because you're not noting it. You don't know if you're on call nine and you need to be moving on to, a, to another prospect yeah. or if you're on call one and you haven't even started to break the ice here. How long does it take while the phone's ringing to type in VM or NA or something like that in the exactly. date? Like, come on. Or, or what question can you ask the receptionist on almost every call that will get you closer to that warm call? And then I'd, I'd put something else out there for the owners that are listening to this podcast. If you're an owner, wouldn't it be terrible if you hired a salesperson, they work for you for two years, they had a ton of great data, and then poof, it went with them because it was on their laptop or it was in their Outlook right. or paper. That is a travesty. So as from an owner's perspective, you want to be able to translate data from one person to another, regardless of who the SDR is. And yeah. you want the next SDR to be successful because of the people before them. I, I remember I was, I was overseeing a sales team and I implemented the CRM that we use here for the first time. And we were using spreadsheets and, and Outlook and I'd been frustrated from the get-go and, and looking for a CRM. And the difference once we had a CRM and we were able to just take accounts when, a, when an account manager left and assign them in bulk to other account managers instead of taking Excel spreadsheets and chopping them up and trying to figure out what was going on and what did this rep mean when they said this or what did they didn't, you know, there was no statuses or anything like that. So it was, what are their notes? Is, is this dead? Is it not dead? Um, the CRM is just amazing for that. It's, it's inexcusable not to have one. Mm -hmm. I would also say that um, Calendly has been a great technology tool for us. Mm. And I'm not necessarily married to that specifically. There's a couple of um, services that do the same for like 10 bucks a month where you can essentially um, put out your calendar to your prospect or put it on your website. And instead of the back and forth of deciding what date to pick, you let them pick according to their own availability and they have full control and they go into the calendar real time. Yep. Calendly has a free version. Again, no excuse not to be using something like that. The executives in my company all have my calendar just so they can see if they want to schedule something for me. They can always look at it and see when I'm mm -hmm. available. And then certain yeah. clients of ours have my calendar just so they can see when it's, you know, partners have my calendar in Calendly just so they can see, am I available to call? They don't even need to schedule something. They can, but they can say, oh, he's available right now. I'll call him. So yeah, CRM, yeah. Calendly, great things. Anything, yeah. Any other core things that people should have? I think that um, like a go-to meeting or a Zoom, some kind of uh, webinar meetup is also a good tool because it's multifunctional. Also Again, free ones. Yep. Yep. From an owner's perspective, you can use it for internal training. You can create your own videos and instead of like written how-tos, you can create videos on how to do things. You can invite your prospects into your own uh, products. You know, like if I wanted to show an example of a lead sheet, I can actually go into my CRM through my, my GoToMeeting account. Um, so I think that there's some value to that and you can get that either for free or for under $30 a month. Yeah. Zoom has a free option. That's what we use for this podcast. We don't use the free option, but we use Zoom. And the free option, I think the only difference is they limit how long a meeting can be. And mm -hmm. if your SDR is having a, a call that's over 30 <laughs> minutes or 40 minutes or whatever they give you, like that's, that's too long anyway. Come on, you get a free, right. and, and maybe it's a limit on uh, how many people you can have to three or something like that. But 
all there's so many free technologies out there right now, freemium technology, those kind of things. That there's no excuse not to have these. Sure. Yeah. So the core, that's a great core. Calendly, Zoom, and a CRM. You got it. Fantastic. Um, time has really blew by. I think we, we, we've gone a little bit over here even today. Anything else you want to add in there for people on uh, SDRs or the introductory call before we, uh, before we sign off? I think that the key takeaway would be this. Uh, I think the first thing is, uh, you know, I, I beat this over, over the head here, which is be consultative, ask good questions, know your value prop, figure out a way to house your data so that it builds and grows over time. Make the cold call warm by doing the right research in short bursts of time. Again, not suffering from analysis paralysis. Develop a niche so that you have some real credibility. Um, utilize a multi-channel approach. We didn't really talk about a multi-channel approach. MarketReach also offers additional ways to support the sales pipeline besides appointment settings, such as once a month email newsletters, LinkedIn connection programs, content build. Um, but I think it's, the, I think it's uh, also important to note that it's not just about one technique, right? Appointment setting, uh, uh, marketing, uh, that is one spoke on a marketing wheel. And so I think that, you know, between all these different techniques, building a list, you know, emailing, getting the emails, emailing, LinkedIn, there's so many different approaches that we can take. But I think that it is important to put forth a multi-channel strategy to get to your prospects. And right. phone outreach is, is the most active way to do it. That's a great point. Some people hate being on the phones. Maybe they're on LinkedIn a lot. Maybe they respond to emails all the time, but not LinkedIn or phones. Mm -hmm. um, I would say you mentioned having tiers uh, earlier. If you have three tiers, high value, medium, low value, uh, hopefully you never get to the low because you have enough of the medium and high to, to call. And if you don't have enough of those, reach out to us at Mountain Top Data. We'll get you some more lists and you can focus on the high and medium ones, maybe even just the high. Um, the top tier, I would say, create that multi-tiered approach. I hate to use the word tier in multiple ways here, but you know, first call, just a cold call. See if they're there. Next call, you also send, a, maybe you leave a voicemail and you send a follow-up email mentioning, both mentioning, hey, I left you a voicemail. And we tell our guys here, um, the voicemail isn't really to get a direct response. It's really so maybe they remember who you are when you actually get in contact or when they receive the email. Same thing with the email. It's... The email, if they direct response because they heard the voicemail and they, they got the email and said, oh yeah, let me fire back to this person. You're basically proving you're a real person because you're doing a multi-touch technique with them. You're referencing the other touches. You're being human and, and really humanizing the, 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 the interaction. So we say, yeah, create a cadence of reaching out to them on LinkedIn, making those calls, leaving a voicemail, sending an email, and the voicemail shouldn't be a pitch. It should just be, hey, I sent you over an email on this as well. Would love to talk. Um, some idea what you do. Otherwise you get that annoying thing of, okay, somebody's calling me and saying, I'd like to talk, but you know, I get LinkedIn requests all the time. Hey, I'd love to connect and network. Okay. What are you trying to sell me? I might be interested. Well, my network. Right. Go away. Yeah. <laughs> Go away. I don't know if that's, that's generic. I, I have a message on my LinkedIn saying, if you don't say something specifically, I will not connect with you. Uh, uh -huh. You know, and it's amazing how many people still just send a generic request without saying anything. They don't even say, Hey, I'd like to connect a generic. I'd like to connect. It's just nothing. They don't even say hey, me. connect, please. What is this? MySpace? You're just trying to collect friends or something like that. <laughs> Tell me what you're trying to sell so I can buy it. Um, right. but yeah, that multi-tiered approach for your higher value prospects, definitely a good idea really shows that you're interested in have, have real value and, and are a real person making kind of a quality outreach. Um, all right. Amanda, this has been fantastic. Uh, let me get through the uh, some of the busy work here. Well, I mean, not so much busy work. Uh, MarketReachResults.com. That's your guys. That's where people can find you. Um, we'll have all this information on the show notes as well. So if you want to reach out to uh, Amanda Puppo of uh, MarketReach, check the show notes or go to MarketReachResults.com. And if you're looking for some uh, some lead generation, some SDR type of stuff to outsource that reach out to them there. Yeah. Again, the show notes, if you market.com, you can find them there. Please give us a good review on iTunes and on behalf of uh, Carla Joe Helms and the, if you market team and Amanda Puppo of market reach. Thank you for listening to the, if you market podcast where we believe if you market the shit out of it with great introductory calls, they will come. 
The IFU Market Podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data. And at Mountaintop Data, we're all about data for B2B marketing. Our goal is to improve the quality, depth, and coverage of our clients' targeted marketing data while removing the technical pain of accessing and implementing data. We help with everything from new target contacts to appending and cleaning existing data, all with the goal to free you and your team up to focus on creating great marketing experiences. Check us out online at mountaintopdata.com and sign up for our new top data search tool and get free access to search our database of over 30 million business contacts. Use the code hashtag IYM when signing up and get 200 free credits. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.